Above all else, thanks to everyone who showed us so much love on the first episode of the podcast. The reception has truly been way more than what we could have ever anticipated and wished for. We only hope that you keep that same energy and in return, we'll try to get you guys good content all along the way each and every single week, maybe even more. Today on the pod, we have someone who's been a mentor, a big brother, and arguably one of my life's best friends, the one and only Miko Halili. I'm recording this intro right after the interview with him, and I just wanted to preface the entire pod by gassing him up because he's an expert at deflecting compliments, as you'll hear many times in the next few minutes. Nico continues to be one of the very few people in my life whose opinion matters to me maybe more than it should. <laughs> it's true. He's always been honest, always been open-minded, and is quicker to congratulate than he is to critique. Although I will say, he does not lack speed in the critiquing department. <laughs> During a particularly frustrating career crossroads that I faced, I called him and asked him what he would do. In that season of my life, I was picking between staying at a company that made up for probably 90% of my current income. It wasn't a lot, but I got most of it from them. But that place was toxic. It was unsupportive of young talent and had an environment that forced you pretty much to suck up to middle management if you ever wanted to even catch a whiff of a break. It was either that or taking a position elsewhere, somewhere smaller, more responsibilities, more risk, less money, but led by people who believed in me and I believed genuinely wanted me to do well. Miko didn't tell me what to do. Instead, he told me something I always look back to now whenever I have to make any decision. He said, trust your talent. I did, and the goat on Fox Sports was born. Quick aside, as a thank you, if I could rattle off some names of people who made that show possible. If you guys saw it and liked it, thank you very much. If you guys saw it and didn't like it, you're probably not going to like the rest of the podcast. But everyone over at Fox Sports Philippines, um, to Jude Turquato, who greenlit it, thank you very much. Donna Reyes, this was her baby. Um, to James Meneses, to Eric Centeno, um, to Rohit Tarani, um, to Charo Espedido, who's been a, uh, a supporter since day one, to Danzen and her team, to our director, Jeff Hidalgo, to you know our, our producers, Mel, Macy, Yo-Yo, um, thanks a lot um, for all the good times. And to my co-hosts, how could I forget? Susie Gamboa, Mo Twister, Casey Montero, Ricky Flores, and on a part-time basis when any one of us was sick, Charles Stew, you guys, we really had the time of our lives. So thanks to everyone. Thanks to Fox. You guys canceled us, which still hurts. But before you canceled us, it was a really, really good time. So thank you. Anyway, back to what I was saying. That opportunity gave me a chance not just to host and write, but also produce, direct, set design, talent coordinate, edit, and so much more. That experience made me the professional and the man that I am now. All because when I was most afraid, the person I looked up to the most, Nico Halili, told me to bet on myself. I hope that little story teaches us all to do the following. Pick good role models and listen to them. Never be afraid to take a leap of faith on and for yourself. And to stand up against people and infrastructures that don't take care of you. In other words, pick your leaders well. Trust your heart and fight the good fight.
We need it now more than ever. We need it every day. My name is Nico Ramos, and this is the Call to Arms podcast. Something going on around the islands. Money flowing wherever I've been promised. Just another vacuum in the tropics. Taking over, trying to stop this novice. Make it kill it. I'm finna conquer. I'm a dreamer. The floor is lava. Something going on around the islands. Straight fire when we vibing, promise. All right, on the podcast. Today, I'm very happy that he's found time to be on the pod. Uh, this is uh, something that we've talked about for uh, years now, um, and you know we're, we're, we're finally onto it. It's someone who I owe a lot to, um, both um, sentimentally speaking, um, I owe a lot to him. But I think over the course of multiple drinks and dinners and lunches, um, literally speaking, I owe him a lot as well. The Tito of Philippine sports is is here. Um, by the way, can I just say off the top, you've you've painted the corner, you've owned that corner of of, of Tito as well as anyone else out there. Tito, <laughs> Tito Miko Halili is is on the pod. Mix, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me. Uh, it's an honor to be uh, part of your new podcast. Uh, you're you, you're coming from. Uh, from uh, from Jacques Cousteau to me, so medyo malaking ano yun, ha? Malaking-laking dip yun. Oh, no, no, no. This was, uh, <laughs> this is, this is, this is always, this has always been in the plan. This isn't a situation where a couple of people canceled and then I had to call you. Uh, no. I have, I have a different list uh, of, of, of those people, but, but no, um, I, I would have put you on uh, the first episode, but um, as, as you know, um, the, the fiancé has to take priority <laughs> over anyone else. Jacques was, Jacques was actually second choice, and uh, Be- Beo was uh, the clear and runaway star of, of that yeah, first episode. Yeah. Okay, okay, you are on the right path to married life. You know the priorities. <laughs> I, I will not put you on the spot and ask you to be <laughs> Ninong at our wedding on, on a podcast that is uncouth and that is uh, unbecoming uh, of, a, of a professional um, like I am. But yeah, so um, BM mo na lang. <laughs> um, obviously, there's a lot of things that we can talk about and that we always talk about. So we've agreed upon an internal um, time limit for, for this podcast because... If our drinks or if our dinners are any indication, they are always three times longer than what we anticipate. Uh, but in order to kind of like draw the lines between you know what we should talk about and what we should maybe leave for other more knowledgeable, more expert people, I kind of wanted to keep it within the realm of you know our broadcast experience, our now I guess content experience, and things when it comes to sports, basketball specifically, that we see from our very, very blessed, um, very, very unique perspective as as sportscasters. And I, I think it's best we start off with, I guess, how you would describe your entry into sports. That's the question I think that you and I get the most. How did you start? Um, and, you know, I, I guess kind of paint that picture and how different or how similar it is to what it is you're doing now. Um, I started my career with ABS-CBN, uh, with ANC. They had an opening for sports reporter. 
for uh, one of their newscasts, uh, and I was straight out of college. Uh, I thought I, I I really wanted to get into advertising because my 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 OJT my practical was advertising. I wanted to be an account executive. I wanted to, you know, go to uh, to all to you know one of the big ad agencies and work there. But uh, uh, as fate would have it, uh, me being a fan, when I was offered a job as a sports reporter. I said yes because at that time, wala, I still didn't have any concrete opportunities in the advertising uh, industry. So I jumped in head first. My first ever, the first ever thing that I covered as a working individual was the UAP opening ceremonies uh, of 1995. I was <laughs> I about to say, see. you don't need to say <laughs> the name or the season or the no, year it's fine. or the season it's number. Fine. <laughs> I've embraced my titoness. Uh, it's ah, yeah. too late to. Uh, <laughs> it's too late. People can compute. I don't care. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, that's my very first uh, assignment was to cover the UAP opening ceremonies the year, the year after or, or the year of my graduation. So, which kind of felt like a supernatural fit because I I watched UAP games anyway all throughout my high school and college life. So. That was a seamless transition. I could not believe I was getting paid to go to UAP games, to go to PBA games. Uh, I and I, you know, I I I did uh, the thing that taught me about covering sports, which is to cover it as a reporter, which is to interview players and coaches and get get that's get the stories and and get the quotes and uh, that's that's how I started my career. Fast forward to 2020, um, we talked about your start. How would you put into words, I guess, what your current role is um, in, you know, in the sports broadcasting landscape of things? Um, I think it was, I'd call it a natural evolution. Uh, I, so, I, so I started off as a sports reporter. And then I get the, the biggest break of my career when I was uh, hired as a courtside reporter for the NBA. From courtside reporter, again, another huge, huge break. Someone took a chance and uh, you know, gave me the opportunity to anchor uh, a game. So that's play-by-play. And then I do play-by-play for close to, what, uh, 20 years. And all along, and while I'm doing play-by-play, I get to write. So I got to write articles. I got to uh, produce and be part of uh, digital shows. I uh, I got to do uh, editor work for Slam, uh, which you're doing now. Uh, and I guess all of that leads up to what I do now, which is... Uh, uh, making sure that ABS-CBN Sports is doing everything it, it it can do to serve the connected fan, the digital fan, the fan who cannot let go of their cell phones, who uh, are are on Twitter during <clears throat> during games, who are watching highlights on on YouTube. Um, that's my job now. My job is to make sure that we get to serve the digital connected sports fan of twenty. 20. So I, it, that's me coming full circle. 
So I start with ABS-CBN, and then uh, you know, two decades later, I'm back with ABS-CBN in in uh, I guess you know in in an evolved uh, capacity. You know, I I I think a lot of it is because sports, just the way it's consumed now, is completely different. Not just from you know twenty years ago from when you started, but I guess you just look back as early as five years ago, seven years ago, the things that were being done to cover sports then completely different how how it's being done now. If if there's one thing that you can really look at and you can really point to and say, ah, ito, this is something that would have never flown five, six, seven years ago, but it's such a big piece of how we're talking about and consuming sports now. What would that be? I think what makes me comfortable about that you mentioned my my being a Tito, no? uh, <laughs> I, I am super comfortable, you know, being a Tito, uh, to, telling everyone listening to the podcast that I started working in 1995 because that has given me the opportunity to watch how sports fandom has evolved. You have to understand when I started uh, working, uh, uh, you only had how many like cable channels to choose from. Uh, and now you have an explosion of choice for the fan. And the fan can have like a um, hundred choices of sports content on any given moment. Um, so it really gives me <clears throat> a very humbling perspective that when you bring out content today, so you give that to the sports fan, the, the Pinoy sports fan, you have to understand and accept that that sports fan can just easily say, well, this is not good enough, so I can just like, you know, swipe away and consume something else, you know? Right. Like, so it is humbling, it is eye-opening, and it's challenging because it means when you put out something, whether it's a tweet or a video or something you wrote or a meme that you composed or a GIF that you did yourself, you you you're competing against every other content that's out there, both local and foreign. Lahat yun, all of that. You're competing against Joe Exotic of of Tiger King. You're yeah, competing yeah, against exactly, <laughs> yeah. It's, Cats. Uh, yeah, because you cannot just say, "Oh, I'm just competing against you know the other talented organizations in our industry." No, you're competing against everyone. So if you're in sports. You're competing against Bleacher Report. You're you're competing against the Ringer. You're you're competing, you know, against all the other, all the people, all the content creators on YouTube doing sports highlights. So you're all competing in that same ecosystem. And so what I tell young people when they ask me, uh, what should they do uh, to succeed if they join the sports industry? And I I always say, you have to be ready to create excellent content. Because if it's not excellent content, you're going to have a very, very challenging time to stand out, to uh, punch through the noise, to punch through the clutter of so much sports content that's, uh, that's out there. And that means uh, learning to do things in different ways. Like you and I and many others, uh, many of our colleagues, we're all storytellers, right? Some tell stories through the written word. Some tell stories through tweets. Some tell stories through video. 
I think for anyone wanting to have a really flourishing career in sports media today, you have to be like a Swiss army knife and be able to tell stories in different ways, in different formats, on the many platforms that fans choose. And it's not easy. Uh, but it's a lot of fun trying to figure it out. Yeah, and, and especially if it works. Um, and as you said, it's a very cold bucket of water thrown onto your face when you spend a lot of time on something and it, you know, and it doesn't work. And you know, I think that that's also important to say. Uh, I don't think that I or you or any of our colleagues that you know have been doing this for quite some time necessarily have a formula for you know ah, ito, if I do this and if I do it this way this is 100% gonna get the eyeballs that I'm going for or it's gonna or even if it does that it's gonna hold the conversation a piece of the conversation for more than a day because guess what tomorrow there's something else the day after that there's gonna be something else and you know your ability to hold people's attention is just you know, getting that window is getting smaller and smaller as, as you know, we go by. Uh, like this podcast, for example. Uh, thank you to everyone listening to the podcast who somehow got interested that I'm part of this podcast. But if we don't provide a compelling conversation, kung hindi kayo you have all the freedom to swipe away and, you know, do don't, don't something say that. else. <laughs> do something else with valuable time. No, but I think the operative term here is to try. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, you have to try different things. And there's no guarantee that any of these things will work. Uh, I think Twitter, to me, is the best teacher of trying new things. Uh, so when you and I tweet, the thought process is we compose this thing in our head. And in our head, okay, this is, I think this is funny. Or I think ito para medyo witty. Or I think this is, this is valuable information. And so you tweet it with zero guarantee that people are going to like it. Zero guarantee that people will, you know, will, uh, will click favorite or will share it or will retweet it. No, zero guarantees. But you just have to have the guts or kapal ng buka to just put it out there and see if it sticks and see if it works. And then that's going to like teach you, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you get to do it for, for a, a significant amount of time, you get to see certain trends. You get to see certain patterns. Uh, ah, okay, they like it when you know when I do this or, oh, I, I tried something new. It didn't work. Or maybe I'll try it. In, I'll try it another way. And I think that's really the path to learning new ways of 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 telling uh, sports stories. Now, I want to take this opportunity to kind of talk a little bit of what our connection is and you know how much of a role you've played, not just for me, but for. If, if you're watching, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you listen to similar podcasts, uh, I'm ready to rattle off the list of everyone else who was part of uh, this little fanboy club that we had for Nico. But what happened, what happened for me was uh, I was a courtside reporter. Um, shout out to Boom Gonzalez, our colleague, uh, and, and I guess everyone's, you know, idol in this thing, really, truly. Um, and the real the, Tito, by the way, uh, can yeah. I just say? <laughs> he doesn't dress like it, uh, all right? He, just, he doesn't he look it, that's than, why. He, he dresses better than me. His his kicks are better than mine. 
But he's the real pro- Tito. Well, the, pro- the problem, the problem when you look like you're 28 forever is that you don't play by the same rules. So that's of all the things we love about Boom. That's the one part we truly, to the to my bone marrow, I hate about him is that. How do I know you for this long? And as we age, you're looking like I'm. I'm looking like I'm catching up to you in age, and you look like you're 28 forever. You know, so, Boom. Boom was the first guy to go to Germany for off-season treatments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah, 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 the fluid drained. Kobe and LeBron. Yeah, yeah, the fluid drained from his knees. Yeah. <laughs> reinserted it into his abs. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, you you were saying? Shout out to Boom. Um, yeah. Boom was the one. I, I I met him when I was a junior jock at Magic. Uh, he was the one who. Uh, kind of suggested, hey, you know, you're into basketball, you maybe want to try out to be a courtside reporter. I was a courtside reporter for ABS-CBN. That's where I got my start as well. The Lawrence Chongson UE Red Warriors were my team. So um, Paul Lee's last season was my first year as a courtside reporter. On the tail end of my second year, so if, if you're lucky in in courtside reporting, you get two years in the UAAP. The only person to break the record is uh, Gretchen Pulido, who I think did three uh, for UP. Um, but on my second year, after you know after the season, they tried me out and said, hey, you know, do you want to try calling a game? That's your, your natural evolution. You want to put you play by play, and then I did a. PCCL game that you happened to be watching um, and you recruited me and that's how I you know left the UAP and ABS and joined the PBA coverage and you know that's kind of like the start of you becoming uh, such a big mentor to me and I remember the one thing you said was uh, when we started was like do you write and if so you have to continue to write. You have to keep writing. It's the best way to keep yourself sharp. And if you can't write it on on a screen or on paper with many drafts, you said, eh, baka basura yung sabihin mo on air when it's off the cuff, on the fly. You can't take it back. You can't delete it. And I think that's something that I've kind of always looked back on. And that's something that I always try to practice. Although I'm sure you're very disappointed that I've now re- retired as a, as a writer and cannot bring myself to put together two no good right, paragraphs no, anymore. I, I have no right to be disappointed in you uh, retiring as a writer because I I basically did the same. So. <laughs> but when when I when I was you know working under you and you know we were doing the PBA coverage and things like that, there, there were a lot of moments where. Uh, you know, at that time I was doing the NCAA court, you know, play by play courtside reporting for the PBA, and you were always that very, very fair, very, very proactive voice, whether in my head or on my phone or in person. Anytime I felt like, you know, I did such a good game, that was such a good game by me. Here comes the Miko Halili call, and you're like, okay, first quarter, mezzo, samano energy natin. <laughs> 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 and, and you always kept me, and you always kept me sharp, and 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 I think that that really played a lot in in you know my personal evolution and how I got better. And 
as I guess I kind of got your got your respect, you laid off of me a little bit, or you've just completely given up and you've yeah. got a lot of pagasat. You know, I, I think I was just, ano, I mean, this, this is going to sound super cliche, no? uh, pero it's just the truth. It's just paying it forward because uh, my mentor, Seb Sarmenta, did the same thing to me. And he's been doing it, he's been mentoring me since, since college because he was my teacher in college. And then we got to work together uh, uh, in, in ABS-CBN when, when I was starting. And he... It's the same. I I I think I do. I was doing a good job, and then you know, uh, and then I I get a message or or a call, and he's gonna tell me what I he told me what I needed to hear, and because that that process helped me immensely and continues to help me to this day, uh, I it just felt natural that I kind of pay it forward and do the same for uh, you know for. Young, younger guys like you uh, who uh, are welcoming of, of the input, uh, welcoming of, of the help, and uh, who just want to learn and get better. It didn't really give us too much of a choice. We had to be welcoming. <laughs> the, the fraternity is uh, myself. And add on to some of the names here if, if I've missed out on some of my uh, Halili frat brothers here. But <laughs> it's myself, it's Carlo Pamintuan, uh, it's Paula Bustavante, it's Chuck Araneta, it's Robbie Raya, who um, should be talking more about sports in these days, although I think we'll have to really censor Robbie. Um, it's Judd Sulit, who I brought without notice to the meeting and uh, kind of put you on the spot. Go on. Um, and, you know, it's it's almost all of us who are still, you know, now, now working into sports. And anytime we see each other on the third Tuesday of each month under the basement and show each other our Miko tattoo on, our, on our, <laughs> the right cheek of our butts... Uh, we're all bound by <laughs> by that same thing, and hopefully, someone who's listening to this podcast right now, hopefully, you guys see that this is, I guess, my little way of paying it forward as well to you know, to draw some of the lessons that that you know that you've taught me, that Sev has taught you, and all of the other greats we've stolen things from and that we rip off of. Uh, I want to focus for a few minutes on play by play. I think that's the most glamorous part. Of, of what we do. That's the one that gets, I think, the most attention, positive and negative, uh, from, from people who enjoy the game. I just wanted to kind of pick your brain, super top line, get what your general thoughts are on what makes a good play-by-play uh, commentator and the things that you kind of try to abide by every game that you do. Um, okay, top line. Uh, I think uh, a good play-by-play guy is a good storyteller. You have to be able to tell stories. I mean, you can have like, you can have the best voice in the world. You can have the deepest vocab in the world. You can sound like a thesaurus. You, uh, you, you can be. You can have the Im- most immense sports knowledge. But if you, if you have a hard time telling. A, a, a compelling and coherent story in the course of a game, uh, then it's going to be hard to connect with an audience as play by play. So your you know your job is to tell the story of the game, an ongoing story of the game, and you can't decide what that story is the night before. 
you have to be you have to tell that story as that story unfolds through the course of the game that's number one number two uh, a play-by-play guy is a point guard because uh, unless you are covering a game by yourself uh, which is rare so in more in most instances you are working with the team so you're working with an analyst sometimes you have two analysts if, if it's a three-man panel then you have minimum one court side, two court side reporters if you're doing, let's say, a, a UAP game. Uh, maybe even more if it's like a big game seven or, a, you know, like a championship game. Bottom line, you are a member of a team, right? So, one, you have to be a storyteller. And two, you have to be a point guard. And as the point guard, your job is to make everyone else look good. So, uh, it's not enough that you sound great or you're doing great play-by-play, you have to make sure people uh, notice and hear the analyst and the courtside reporters and make them sound like, uh, you know, uh, the best people you've ever worked with on that particular particular, uh, game. So I think those are top line. Those are, I think, the two um, most important things that describe a play-by-play guy uh, apart from just, you know, like, just just knowing that uh, you just have to keep improving at this thing. So you and I have been, you know, doing play-by-play for many years now. And yet, often, when we finish a game, we feel like, it, you know, it's like, okay, parang, it feels like uh, parang it's just my first year or it's just my second year. Just because we, you, you know, you set a high standard and if you don't, reach that standard for that particular day, you go back and say, oh, you know what, I, I need to go back to basics and, you know, study where I, where I could be better or what I, what I could have said better. And so it's like a never-ending learning experience. I think the, the job of talking about sports for a living, um, but most especially play-by-play, I think it's right up there maybe even ahead of head coach as the job that people look at and say, hey, kaya ko yan eh. Kaya ko gawin yan. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. It's not the hardest job in the world. <laughs> it's also not the easiest job in the world. And I'm not complaining. But what's what are a couple of, uh, let's play Mythbusters here. What are a couple of misconceptions that, you know, I think we're way past the point that of, of us getting peeved at any misconceptions that may, people may have about play-by-play. Yeah. So maybe that's not the right word. But what are a couple of misconceptions that maybe I guess you hear the most or you, 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 you're you able to to receive the most? Uh, my favorite is uh, when people say, how, how, can, uh, how do you do it? You don't run out of things to say for like two hours. I always get that. And I always say, um, I'm not talking for two hours straight. Nowhere near close to it. And I should not be talking for two hours straight because I'm not just the only guy covering that game. So uh, so that's one. I think the job does not require that a person talks nonstop for two hours. In fact, it's the exact opposite. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm, firm believer in less is more. I think the less I talk, I think the better the on-air product will be. Meaning I just... Just have to make sure I choose the choose the right words, choose the right way of saying things, and then you and then you use up the rest of the time making your teammates look good. Uh, so uh, so that's one. Number two, uh, 
people think that to be a play-by-play guy, you have to be a sports expert. I am not a sports expert. I was never one. I will never be one. I feel no pressure to be one because uh, I, I feel that expertise Well, that's why your analyst is there. Kaya ka may pwede ako pagtanungan eh. I don't, like, should I know what a team is doing on offense and defense? Yeah, I should. But it's not my job to explain that to the audience. That's the analyst's job. And it's my job to ask the analyst and bring out the expertise of the analyst working beside me. So I don't, I don't need to be an expert. I don't want to be an expert. I just want to be the guy I, I just want to be that guy na yung, yung pagkatabi mo siya sa gimmick, ako yung may tamang, may al- ta- parang tama lang yung knowledge ko of, you know, of, of the sport or the game. Pero mas marami akong baon na kwento about the athletes that you idolize. Right. It's funny, funny moment. Ako yung katabi mo. I am not sure you wanna, like, if, if, if let's say I were to become, like, super, alam mo yun, parang encyclopedic, knowledge na para alam ko lahat ng stats ganyan. I'm not sure if you want to sit beside me pag nagiinuman tayo. I'm not, I'm not so sure <laughs> if which, I would be great company. Which, by the way, is what all of us who are into play-by-play, that's what we ultimately are. Um, if you've ever shared a drink um, or a meal with us and you expect us to, you know, if you ask us, bakit sobrang galing ng Ateneo? I'm like, mm, here's You know, here's TJ Manotok's number. Here's Christian Luanzon's <laughs> number. Mar- Marco Benitez is the president of PWU. You can go to yeah. him. There's his office. You can probably ask him that. Now, now, if you want to ask me, if you want to ask me why, you know, why it's so, why it's so strange or it's so unique that James Yap is so good, I'll tell you how big his hand is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, para tayo will remember some moment from one game, alam mo, grabe, ito yung ginawa niya that one game, he did this, ganyan, ganyan, ganyan. but I'm not going to tell you about the mechanics of his shooting release or, you know, his footwork. Yeah, there are other guys more qualified to do that. And I, and I, 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 I never project myself and I'm never comfortable when people say, oh, si Miko, alam, he knows sports, he's a sports expert because I am not. I'm really not. I, I'm, I'm just, taga-kwento lang ako. I just tell sports stories. That's all I do. Now, one of the things that I hear the most, and you know, a, a lot of it is because there's not enough conversations like this uh, out there that really breaks down or at least guides younger people in the right way into an entry into our industry, focusing on what they should focus on and maybe not focusing too much on what they shouldn't uh, focus on is when I hear the question, hey, How'd you come up with your catchphrase? Um, or hey, uh, you know, I've gotten this question from younger people who are you know, doing what we do. How often should I use my catchphrase? And like, <laughs> I didn't know I had a catchphrase until someone actually brought it up and said, "Hey, catchphrase mo pala to ganto." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I guess so." But a lot of people don't believe me when we say that. In the same way that I'm sure a lot of people will kind of roll roll their eyes when you say. You don't plan when or when not to say yes, sir. No, I don't. I don't have like a. I don't have a notebook or a checklist that I have to be able to. I have to say yes, sir, ten times in a single <laughs> game. Or uh, okay, on the. It's challenging because it's very very tempting 
you know, let's say you're a, you're a, you're a young guy uh, in this business. And siyempre, I mean, let's be honest, all of us, and, and we all go through it, you want to get known. Right? You want to get known. It's human nature. Gusto mo makilala ka. You're on TV and you want to do things so that people will remember you. All right? I will not, That's I will, okay. I will not sit here and pretend that I did not and I do not enjoy the attention that I'm getting because of a shot that Juan Gomez de Leon you made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had nothing to do with a spectacular athletic I, I know. And for some reason, sh- I get credit for it. I do enjoy yeah. it. I'm not going to front yeah, so it's human nature. It's okay. I mean, lahat naman tayo dumaan dyan. You, 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 are, you want the recognition. You want, you want to be recognized when you're out. You want people to, you know, to say hi to you when they go to games. And in order to do that, you kind of you look for ways so that people will remember you. That's fine. That's normal. But I think... I think what really happens, what really connects with people is when you, when you stop worrying about, uh, the minute you stop worrying about how people uh, will remember you or how a catchphrase will catch on, I think that's when the true magic happens and you're just focused on telling a good story about that game or about the player who's playing well. Because you're no longer burdened about Ah, kailangan masabi ko to ng tama or I have to say this at the right time at the right uh, moment. I, I mean, um, I my one of my absolute idols no, in 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 play by play is Vince Scully. Okay, so Vince Scully is a legendary baseball commentator for the LA Dodgers, um, and he covered the Dodgers for like two hundred years. And <laughs> at least, and, uh, yeah. And uh, he always said he never prepared lines. Like, he never prepared, okay, I'm going to write this down and I'm going to say this if this player hits a home run, right? He said, and this has stayed with me uh, forever, he said he just lets the moment guide him. It's a sort of instinct uh, built by, and he, he, he reads a lot, so he reads books and he reads poetry, he reads classic literature, and all of that prepares him to say the right things at the right time. But he didn't memorize anything. And he said that when he, when he was asked about all the immortal lines that he, that he has said throughout his career, he said it, he waits for God to whisper in his ear. And that's the thing that comes out. So, you know, you can be super religious about it and say it's divine intervention. It's it's you know it's divine play by play intervention you can also say that it's really a product of everything that you put in your head all the books that you read all the athletes that you talk to the articles that you write the the content that you consume and that all kind of prepares you at that particular moment to hopefully say the thing that justifies the gravity of the moment which is going to be 1 million times better than any you know than any thing that you you know you write on paper and then you like you, uh, you you which by the way I am not ashamed to admit that you know early in my career I because you're insecure and you don't have enough confidence yet then I I did that before I I would prepare stuff that I could say because I wasn't as confident yet but you learn through experience and through mistakes and through uh, you know doing this for many years that you know what the best thing to say is what comes 
uh, from the heart. It's cheesy, but it's it's the truth. If you are listening to this right now, and you you know maybe you're not into baseball, and you don't want to kind of find Dodger highlights, um, and you really want to just enjoy Vince Scully for all his greatness, there is a Kevin Costner movie that you could probably, and I'm encouraging you to legally find it, uh, but you'd likely be able to torrent it. It's called For Love of the Game, where uh, Kevin Costner is an aging baseball pitcher, and he's playing for the Detroit Lions, playing at Yankee Stadium. His name is Billy Chapel in, mm-hmm. in the movie. And you know, I don't want to ruin the movie for you, um, but towards the end of it, uh, so Vince Scully is doing the voice for this entire game. He's doing the play-by-play. They do a good job of incorporating uh, you know, actual game scenes and you know, the movie parts of it. So at, at the very, very end of it, Vince Scully says this line, the cathedral that is Yankee Stadium now belongs to a chapel. And, you know, I always thought that was, oh, you know, what a cool line. Pero, you know, siempre, it's a movie. And then I kind of really dug into the movie and I kind of researched about it. And then apparently what happened was they played Vince Cully the clips after they shot it. Uh, and then they had suggested lines for him in the script. And then what he said was, can we do one run where I don't look at anything you've prepared for me and I just approach this as if it were a game and then just record me. And then after that, I'll do whatever you say. I'll read whatever you want. They didn't use a single thing that they had pre-written and everything was just like off the cuff Vince Scully. <laughs> yeah. Which is the most yeah. Vince Scully story ever. Yeah. yeah. So like, okay, going back to, let's say, the yes, sir. Uh, the yes, sir, uh, it's not even mine. I, I will never claim that it was that it's mine because uh, a lot of commentators, both here and in the NBA, uh, use yes, sir. It's it's not an original line. <laughs> um, and then at the same time, I grew up uh, hearing yes, sir, from my my idols uh, here in the Philippines. Seb Sarmenta, Joe Cantada, Pingoy Tengson, Dick Ildefonso. Uh, and I guess it has been hardwired into my brain. And then in one PBA game, uh, I, I don't even remember what game it was, but I started using it for a three-point shot. And but it kind of worked well. So, okay, let's... Okay, let's try it. Kind of works, but it, there was no like grand intention that. Okay, my my dream is to create a yes sir catchphrase that people will remember me by. No, these are all like happy, happy accidents. Again, again, it goes back to you just have to try things. You try things. If it if it works, okay, great. Then keep doing it and tweak it and improve it. If it doesn't work, then let it go. It just doesn't. It just didn't work. Sort of like it's sort of like creating monikers. Uh, I've had you know I've had monikers that have worked, that have lasted through the years, and I have had monikers that lasted like two games. Ayoko nang paalala sa tao na ako nakaisip ng mga moniker na yun. So I have your I have your moniker Hall of Fame. Don't worry. Cool cat Mike Cortez is one of the monikers that applies to a person even after he will long be done playing basketball. There's a cool cat on the court, and if you ever see Mike Cortez at the mall, and that mall gets hit by a tornado and a tsunami at the same time, you will see Mike Cortez slowly, very coolly, with all the swagger in the world, calmly walk out of that mall, and you're like, that's a cool cat. 
Yeah, I mean, Cool, cool Cat was a happy accident, a, a, a combination of things that I've read, things that I've watched, and then it kind of just works together. You see a player, you see the quality. So you know what? He moves like a, he's as quick as a cat and he's cool as ice. He's like, Cool Cat, something like that. And then you try it. And then if it didn't work, then wala no cool cat. No one would ever remember that <laughs> that nickname. But somehow it worked. You're thankful that it works. It's beyond your control. It's up to the fans. I asked permission from from Mike himself. And Mike said, cool. That's exactly what he said. Cool, cool. And so that's that's the birth of 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 of, of that name. But you, it's just things that you try and then you just hope that uh, people like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I tried. I, I thought that um, automatic... Arvin Tolentino would would catch on because it's AT automatic, <laughs> and then you know he makes big shots, and then I quickly, very quickly realize that nah, people don't like it. Never mind, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and the only thing that's really kind of like seemed to catch on is when I started calling Big Mike Nieto Medium Mike, and he's medium really Mike, proud. Yeah, and he's really yeah. proud of that because he actually showed me the back of his T-shirt and he said. Medium na talaga ako, kuya. Medium na ako. Dati triple XL. Yeah, I wanted to, to go back to a point that you said that, you know, Cool Cat was a product of, uh, and yes, sir, a product of things you've, you've heard, things you've read. And this is, you know, a reflection of your own personal field of experience. It's confession time for me, um, and you're, you've been kind enough that we've thought we've been talking about this topic, and you haven't brought this up. But when I was when I was starting out and I was covering the the NCAA, um, I approached the whole thing the wrong way. So I am the cautionary tale. I wanted a catchphrase. I wanted to give monikers to players. I was doing all that and attacking it completely from you know from the wrong you know from the wrong point. And one of the things that I would say anytime there was a three or a big three was, you know, I would say ka-ching, you know, as if, you know, it's the sound of like uh, a casino when, or the or cash register when it opens, you know, ka-ching. And then he kind of like, let me have it. And then the day I got the assignment that I was going to do my first San Beda Letran game, which is the big assignment at that time, about, Maybe 20 minutes before the game, I get a text message from you. And then the text message says, okay, I can't let you go on air without saying it. But maybe don't use kaching today. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, it's that bad. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. And then I didn't use it. And then afterwards, you know, you were explaining it to me and you were like, and the one thing you said was, and it wasn't because you were against the the expression or the word. It was like, I just don't hear you say it. He's like, I don't hear you say it. You're like, I don't hear you say it in conversation. It doesn't seem like it's something that you would naturally say or you would, you know, you would write. It's not part of your actual vocabulary. And then you were like, well, you know, maybe think about it. You know, um, where where does that come from? You know, where's where's the thought come from? And then you know, just be true to yourself. And in the same way that yes, sir, is actually you know Vince Scully's or Seb Sarmentas um, or Dick Ildefonso's or Joe Cantadas, um, the, the quote unquote 
phrase and I hate to even, you know, like say it, but, you know, I've kind of gotten comfortable, which is cash or money or cash money is one that's much more organic to who I am. And I credit that to, you know, the philosopher Lil Wayne, because that's my, that's my experience. <laughs> that's young money, cash money, baby, YMCMD. And, you know, I, I, I guess that's a roundabout say, way of saying, you know, you don't feel like you have to fit in, I guess, to a particular mold of quote unquote sportscaster. And you know, if you're a hip hop fan, then you're a hip hop fan. Use those references. Yeah, I think um, you, my yes, sir, and your cash money is a product of the things that we put in our brain, right? Uh, I am a very, very big proponent of uh, what you put in, you put out. So, meaning you have to make sure. Uh, if you are, let's say you want to get into the sports industry and you, you want to be in the business of telling great stories, you have to make sure you are absorbing great stories as well. And that means r reading great stuff. And it, it could be, you know, many things. It could be the, the classics, like, you know, like I, I, my sports casting style is very much formed by the many books that I've read because I love reading sports books. And these are all like, you know, the David Halberstam books and the John Feinstein books. And later on, even the Shea Serrano books, uh, whatever comes out of my mouth, uh, I'd like to believe is a product of all the, the, the good writing that I read, uh, the content that I watch. And in your case, it's the same. Um, you are a product of your culture and of your time. Um, uh, your exposure to music, uh, to great music, great pop culture uh, references, influences the stories that you tell or how you tell your stories. And that's how you connect with a millennial uh, audience. I, I am not going to force uh, myself to you know suddenly start quoting uh, <laughs> Kanye or Drake or, or Travis Scott. I'm not going to do that because it's not natural i mean i could but i think you guys will do a better job doing that anyway uh but i guess my point is um it's not enough that you love sports it's just not enough there are a lot of people who love sports i mean you can't go into this industry and say hey, i am i'm a i'm a fan I, i'm a hard i'm a die hard fan i'm a hardcore fan i can do it it's not enough marami tayong hardcore fans hardcore fans how do you differentiate yourself how do you stand out and I think the best way to stand out is to make sure that what you put inside your sports brain is so much better than the next guy. That's, I think that's, the, that's step one in standing out. We'll be right back with our conversation with Miko Halili. Before that, there's a bunch of other local sports heads that are churning out content. And I just wanted to take time here to show them some love and invite you guys to check out what they've got going on. There's a lot of stuff happening over at Slam Online PH. We've done work from home where athletes are giving you their actual workouts that you guys can follow along and do at your houses. There's also us jumping into their closets and raiding them and you know doing a closet tour. I think 30 really set the bar very high on that first one. You can check it out. And we're doing Slam IG Live as well with two athletes each week. So please do check out at SlamOnlinePH on all the platforms. 
congrats to Chuck Topolo and um, to Carlo Pamintuan from the stands is back. The podcast you can listen to wherever it is you're listening to this pod, as well as the Jump Through Hoops pod um, by Aaron Ataide. Listen to that. Subscribe if you haven't yet. The great people over at Puma Podcasts, our friend Siege Tantenko, they're pivoting and they're telling the stories of frontliners and people who are equipped with such a unique, such an important uh, perspective in this COVID crisis. Please do give them a listen. If you're volleyball fans, check out Camille and Migs's What's Your Point? They're back as well with a new episode of their podcast. There's something that uh, Miko and his team over at ABS-CBN Sports, they're churning out a whole bunch of stuff as well. But I want to hone in on Seriously with, um, it's really an incredible, incredible idea. Sean Ildefonso is a superstar. I hate this. I hate this piece of content that they do because I wish I thought of it, but it's really done well. It's really funny. Congrats to Sean, um, to Clev, to Deneen, to John, and the rest of the ABS-CBN Sports team. That's great. And uh, my brother Enzo and the rest of the guys over at the Buhai Basket podcast is something that you guys should catch up with if you haven't yet. Lots of stuff out there. They're doing great work and they're all trying to do it from home. It's really, um, it'll really, really be appreciated, I'm sure, if you guys check them out as well. Okay, now let's jump right back into our conversation with Miko Halili. Okay, um... I want us to take a little bit of a high machine ride to one of your most famous calls. Uh, I think, well, two actually. Uh, I think one of the best examples that really kind of captures what's important to you, what you find crucial to a broadcast and how allowing what's natural just flow out is what I still feel is the single greatest dunk in UAP history, um, which is Ben Mbala somehow <laughs> finding and locating the most adventurous pass that Thomas Torres has ever thrown in his life, and then just throwing it down on the alley oop. <laughs> And, you know, what's super, super impressive to me there is he throws it down. I think we can see the lob, you know, a couple of a couple of seconds before it happens because, you know, it's, it's Thomas Torres. All due respect to Thomas, but two points from him off of a layup isn't exactly the same as two points from a Ben Mbala jam. And Ben is trailing Thomas and you could hear it kind of like in your voice, you're anticipating it. And then you throw out the yes, sir. And it's like, that's not a three. Yes, there's usually for threes. But in that situation, you prove it's not exclusive to threes. But at the same time, it super fits because it's a big moment. It's a potentially game-swinging moment. One of the greatest plays in recent UAAP history. And then they do this great job. They had a camera on you, apparently, the entire time. And... <laughs> People are given a peek into what it's like literally sitting in our seats where you're like, we're like, we're jumping up and down. We're hugging each other. We're holding each other. And immediately after the play, 
you kind of motion to Christian, who, if I'm not mistaken, was your partner on that broadcast. That's right. Um, yeah. To, for both of you to just keep quiet and let just the roar of the crowd make it out to TV. And I thought that that was really some advanced stuff. Uh, it's not as it's not it's not advanced in the sense that uh, America, the classic American sportscasters, have been doing it for ages. They've been doing it for the last uh, what 30, 40 years. It's 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 a classic method of um, letting people, letting viewers enjoy what fans in the arena are enjoying, which is that roar of the crowd, the jet engine. Roar, yung roar na yung pati yung camera, main camera, it's shaking and people are going bananas. And because in a moment like that, no one is talking. When you're inside the venue, no one is talking after a moment like that. And that's what you want a, a viewer at home to experience. And so uh, it's sort of like very instinctive that in, uh, like instead of hijacking the moment with whatever words I might have, then let 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 that moment uh, be celebrated uh, for what it is, a, 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 an earth-shaking, uh, rim-rattling uh, moment that people will remember 20, 30, 40 years from now. Uh, so it's, I, I, and, again, and again, there's no pressure for me to kind of like put my stamp on that moment because that's not my moment. That's Ben Mbala's moment. Right. right? That's Ben Mbala's moment. That's Thomas Torre. That's LaSalle's moment. So that's their moment. So let them let them have it. And then as soon as that roar kind of starts dying down, and then that's when Christian can go and 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 break it down. Because uh, and look, it, it's just one way of doing it. Um, uh, another anchor could could have done that moment. Could have said fantastic things and could have put the you know could could have uh, put the right words to that moment right after the dunk. That's fine. Uh, there are many ways to do it. Uh, what I did was just one way uh, of doing it. I maybe call it the old school way of uh, of doing it. And uh, well, I I think it was the right way to do it. I'll go ahead and 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 say it for you. Um, I I mean advanced in the sense maybe it's not particularly innovative, but you said it perfectly. It's not about you. And I think that myself included. Sometimes there's a tendency for us to try to be overtly poetic or to really try to explain what that moment is and i think that a skill that needs to be developed um by reps and by years and by number sheer number of games just doing this is you know there, there are no words i can put together that will be more impressive than ben Mbala making that shot but <laughs> catching that ball and throwing it down yeah i um i you know uh, I, I, like I said earlier, uh, it's very tempting to, you know, have like prepared lines. And maybe these are lines that you, I don't know, maybe they're lines to a song or something that you saw from an article. And you, you want to, like you said, you want to sound smart. You want to sound, you want to sound like you're intelligent and you're witty and you want to be ready with, with the line. But it, it's different when you cover something, you do the moment, you do it with instinct. And then you come out saying, Oh, that that turned out okay. Okay, that turned out well. Meaning, it you just let that moment guide you, and that takes a lot of guts. It's and it, it looks easy, like you're not saying anything. Like saying anything looks easy because you're not saying anything. But 
it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of self-control to kind of to convince yourself this 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 does not have to be about me. I don't need to shine in this moment. People don't need to know that I'm here. It's right. it's tough. It's very tough. Right. The other the other moment that uh, I wanted to talk about, and I just rewatched it before we started the pod, was 2012. B Meg and Talking Text in Game Seven <laughs> of the Commissioner's Cup Final. About the Talking Text, B Meg with the basketball. Now with 12.3 seconds to go, you ask the question: Will they go for the win, or will they go for a tie? Here we go. Urbistoto to Simon. 10 seconds remaining in the series. They go to James. James to tie. No! And the ball is up with James. Yep. Two seconds to go. Ball, no! Talking Ducks wins. The commission. Wait a minute. There's a foul. They foul. Bimek had its chances. Nakakuha ng offensive rebound. There was a foul on the rebound play. There's a foul. There's a foul. Is what <laughs> is what people remember from from that uh, call. And I just watched this clip on on YouTube. People can find it very easily. And I have I have I have some questions. I have some thoughts. Um, <laughs> very first thing that I remember and I wrote down my thoughts as I was watching it was Jolas was on the call. The legendary Jojo Lastimosa was on the panel, and can I just say I miss Jolas on, on <laughs> on a broadcast panel. I he's he's doing great, obviously with his coaching, um, but him on 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 TV during a basketball coverage, you never knew what was coming up next. He had some very choice thoughts about that particular call during the broadcast as you guys were going to break <laughs> in between fourth quarter and overtime and. I love Jolas, man. I mean, I loved him as a player, and I think I love him more as as an on-cam talent. You know why? Because you always want to have a taklesa beside you. <laughs> Jolas is king. Yeah, when you're covering a big game, anything that's so fun when you get to work with a Jolas or or a Jason Webb. And Jason Webb, you can feel, you can actually feel his eye roll when it, when there's a bad call. You yes. actually feel it. On the TV, you would hear uh, him breathe. Yeah. Oh, you get oh, Jason. You you know it and you sense it. Um, and I think that uh, yeah, I'll uh, yeah I'll forever be attached to uh, 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 that moment, uh, much to the chagrin of uh, talking text fans and our friends uh, from that talking text uh, uh, team. Uh, but um, I think. I think that that's a classic example of you can't really prepare for like shit like this or you know, like a moment like that. You can't prepare for it. You can't say, okay, I'm going to do when 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 the referee calls a foul with no time left on the clock. I'm going to say this. You can't. You can't right. prepare for that. Um, even the the line that I was already saying, talking text wins the commissioner's cup. I didn't prepare for that. It's just it just came. It just comes out naturally the same way that saying there's a foul, but wait, there's a foul, my foul. I you, I didn't I didn't memorize that. I didn't have notes on that. You just have to be ready to kind of capture that moment with just the right amount of words, and then I'll just let Joe let's say the rest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna run through. <laughs> I miss Joe. I miss Jason. I miss Joe. Uh, I'm going to run through a couple of 
just general thoughts that I pointed out from there. And then you can choose to stop and spend some time thinking about uh, talking about them. Or if you say um, we can skip that, then we won't spend any more time. Uh, obviously, Joel asked point number one. Point number two, there's this great throwaway line that you just said, um, entering the free throws by Denzel Bolt. Because uh, Jimmy went out with cramps, is what I think people forget, before Ali Peak made the two free throws. And you said, Jimmy is out. Jason Castro, well, he's made of titanium, so he's going to stay in there. And that just made me laugh so loud when I heard it. I was like, oh, that's that's great. Um, okay, next point is during the timeout, so the, the BMEG... Team. What was the BMEG team? Llamados? Yeah, the Llamados, BMEG, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I love it. The BMEG Llamados were down by two in game seven of a PBA finals with, if I'm not mistaken, 10 seconds left. And the broadcast stays on and they show Tim Cohn, the winningest championship coach in the history of Philippine basketball, drawing up a play for James Yap, one of the greatest players to ever play in the PBA. And all you can hear is Time of My Life, Dirty Bit by the Black Eyed Peas. Just <laughs> blasting. Just <laughs> blasting in Araneta Coliseum. Do you or do you not want to spend time talking about the music selection in the PBA? Uh, next, uh, next, uh, next point. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Ben, Benzel Bowles, um, okay, before we get to the free throw, I think that a lot of people miss out on this play, but James Yap was, his James Yap-est during that play, receives the ball, everyone knows he's going to get the ball, uh, does the swing through, drives to the middle of the floor, and does a layup that in real time looked like the last shot that Michael Jordan took in Space Jam. And just <laughs> outstretched, perfect, one of his thousand moves layup, and it just happened to miss by an inch back rim. That's how you want games to end. You want the best guy uh, on that team to have the ball and go for the, uh, you know, like a moment for the ages. That's exactly how you, that's, that's exactly how you, you, you want BMIC to do that play. Give it to James Sapp, make him win the series in a game seven. He was just glorious to watch, James. Yeah. Plus, he got the offensive rebound and then passed it to Denzel Bowles. Next point, Denzel Bowles shooting those free throws at 23 years old. I've never seen anyone – I've never seen this happen, I think, where before the free throws, someone was so, so, so overcome with emotion, he couldn't even hide it, couldn't contain it, had his hands on his head, Looked like he was scared out of his mind, which makes the two conversions even more impressive. And then you pointed out in the telecast, in between fourth quarter and overtime, actually crying. He was. He was. You can actually see, or Shepard say YouTube, it's not high risk anymore. But uh, you uh, during that game, on our monitors, you could actually see uh, tears uh, uh, streaming down the face of Denzel Bolts. That's that's how much overwhelmed he was. Of course, there is a chance that it could have been Alvin Patrimonio's tears. Um, <laughs> no, but he because, Denzel after. <laughs> but because yeah. Cap was crying, and I think 
of all the iconic Alvin Patrimonio moments, I think that's the one that sticks out um, for a lot of young people because um, that just shows me how big those free throws were. That you know, Alvin Patrimonio was a child in the arms of the six foot ten, twenty three year old who just saved their season. Uh, that, that's one of my favorite moments from that game. Uh, Alvin hugging Denzel uh, after he sank both uh, free throws. That's, that's uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite moments from that game. Yeah, well, it's uh, it was an, an iconic call um, by by your team. It was you, the dean, and uh, Jolas. Who uh, again? If if you guys are running just like a pickup league somewhere and you can afford uh, the TF of a Hall of Famer, just give give Jolas a microphone. Yeah. Uh, I pro- <laughs> I promise you it'll be worth it. <laughs> If you are a producer right now um, that's listening to this and you're in charge of picking talent for uh, a major basketball or sporting league, my piece of advice is who is the one person who's accomplished so much and whose reputation is so unassailable that they simply do not give a single flying F what people (laughs) think of them and they will say anything on TV. Yeah, yung ano, si Jojo has an inner Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. That, that has been severely overlooked. Uh, AKA yung uh, Dakilang Taklesa, which is, you know, I, I, it sports is so much more fun when you have someone that brutally honest uh, on the mic. You know who else? You know who else was like this until I think they reined him in and they told him to kind of act, quote unquote, a little bit more professional. But the first few, the first few seasons that I was doing games with Renren Ritualo, it was gold. <laughs> it was gold. Renren would say things like, uh, um, "You know, he missed that shot, pero easy shot yon. Kung ako yon, masusut ko yon." <laughs> I was like, yes, I love you, Rainman. Yeah, Rainman would have been perfect for our, I know, your players only broadcast. Well, I'm play by play. You just have you know, Rainman talking about the players, like you know, like a former player. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that somewhere out there there is going to be a Rainman and Wesley Gonzalez called uh, Ateneo La Salle game. And no one will be happy. No fan base will be <laughs> yeah, happy. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> even even Athenians will, will dislike Wesley, and even Lasallians will hate Ren Ren, and they'll both go home with the biggest smiles on their faces. This is this has gone on for for far longer than what I had promised to you. Um, I take half of a fault um, for that. It's equally your fault as well. But I. I, I <laughs> I wanna I wanna end the pod uh, by explaining kind of this little theory I'm working on. Now you love or hate my theories. Um, some of my theories you absolutely despise, but some of my theories you're like, ah, okay, that kind of works. I will live and die um, by my theory that the only reason Petronovella happened was because there wasn't enough benchability on that team. It should be. <laughs> It should be a stat, and I still feel a little hurt that you didn't love that theory more than you did. I remember. I, I remember. I remember us arguing <laughs> over ben- benchability. Wanted, yeah, no one I, wanted I, less minutes. I, I and remember, I'm like, I it's remember. important to have benchability. You have to have guys yeah. on your team who are happy to just be there. 
And you see that difference between Petro Novella and the San Miguel dynasty now. You see the clear, yes. clear, clear difference, right? Yeah. There is yes. no, there is no drastic dip in talent, none. But it's you're right, and I think I can finally agree with you. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> after I don't know, after twelve years, that yeah, maybe, maybe uh, a powerhouse team needs to have benchability in order for it to succeed. Yeah, Yancy and Chico Lanete are happy to take their checks. I will take yeah. my paycheck and my bonus. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but that's not the theory I want to get into uh, right now. I personally judge players and remember players because, as you said, we're not experts. We're not coaches. We're not statistical geniuses. Um, I have a very, very simple way of gauging whether a player is good or not. And that is by something I like to call the fear index. Am I afraid of this player playing against my favorite team in a big moment because for some reason he's just that guy who's going to do something big in this moment? And, you know, we've covered a whole lot of players. I wanted to kind of run through who your five would be uh, when it comes to, you know, your starting five all fear index team i'll give you some time to think about it while i run through mine um but at point guard for me i'm starting josh urbistondo because now now that i think about it i don't think i remember the fireball missing a three <laughs> josh urbistondo if you were ever rooting or if you ever had money against um b meg or whichever team he played for and it was the fourth quarter and he was on the bench, you were secretly saying, keep him on the bench. <laughs> so he's 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 number one for me. He's he's my point guard. Shooting guard, I have Paul Desiderio, um, who I think could possibly replace the actual oblation statue as uh, the UP logo. Season 81 of, of the Fighting Maroons ended in a very decisive loss against Ateneo in the finals. But I think 20 years from now, we're going to look back and somehow history is going to get twisted and say that the Sidario won the championship for UP scoring 50 points per game. It's possible. At small forward, okay, here, here's who I have at small forward. Um, I have, and it has to be, it has to be in his, in his Ateneo blue. It has to be uh, Nico Salva. So maybe people might say, well, he's much you know, too decorated to be on this five. But in college, from 15 feet away, I don't think Nico Salvo missed more than 10 times in his five years in Ateneo. Five years, five championships. That counts for something for me. Um, at the four, I have your very good friend, our very good friend, Bo Belga. And my reason is <laughs> because Bo Belga. <laughs> Bo's going to make a three. Bo's going to do something. All I know is if you're rooting against him, you don't want to see him in the fourth quarter um, of a big game. And then at, at, my, at my five, or I guess as the fifth player on that squad, in my, all, uh, my starting, in my starting five of just top peer index guys, um, it's, it's really a toss-up for me between Matt Nieto, who seems to just make every like proper decision um, on the basketball court. Um, but I think I, you know, I, I want to go back and I want to dig through um, 
just my the start of my UAAP loving days and go Ninja Joseph Yo. Anytime that he was playing, he always ran like he already had 30 points. Just the way he moved on the court, he just always looked like he had already scored 30 points. And I, I, I feel like that haircut, the triple XL shorts, um, and, you know, a bunch of the reason why he didn't get a lot of close-ups on TV because you could read his mouth, all that combined to make a really, really scary player that I don't want to play against. That's my five. That's a great five. That's a scary these, these five, are, yeah. And these are guys that you got to cover, right? Mostly, yes. By the way, Nico Salva, if you sub him out and you put in Adamson version of Jan Colina, pretty much the same player. <laughs> pretty much. 15 foot, 15 foot jump shot, money every time. They never miss. Okay. Uh, my list, I'm going to cheat a bit here. I, I, I don't have like just five, but what I do have are like, uh, like four, four combinations, like four pairs, and then I'll round it out with one player. Okay. Um, so and I'll do it kind of like chronological. So it's sort of like a, it tracks my career. Uh, Again, I'm not one, dating you here. You're doing this no, it's fine. <laughs> I, like I said, I don't I don't mind dating myself. Uh, so the first pair on my list, called, uh, this uh, kind of captures my time during the NBA. It's Alex Compton and Dondon Ontiveros. Those two guys. Wait. Because... Is the three-point yeah. free throw in play? Yeah, that was, that was a thing, yes. The free okay. three. If, 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 if the free three is in play, then okay, I agree with you. Yeah, because... Uh, so Alex Compton, uh, we, we kind of called him like Mr. Heartbreaker during that time because, I mean, he just hit clutch shots so well. So, like, like for the most number of dagger shots, maybe Compton leads that list in the NBA. Um, so that's Alex Compton. And then Dondon Ontiveros, uh, coming out of nowhere, uh, emerging as this, you know, this superstar caliber player from Cebu. And he was dunking over people. Uh, and, and that's why to this day, like, we call each other batchmate because... Uh, we got our break. We got our break because of the NBA. And whenever you faced Dondon, you knew you were going to have to like put two people to guard Dondon on Tiveros throughout that game. So that's like NBA time. Next, uh, The next pair on the list, it's Mac Macardona and Larry Fonacher. Obviously, oh, I cannot choose... Yeah, I cannot choose just one LaSalle or just an Ateneo player because, well, you know how it is. So, I... Bias ka Correct. Uh, so, Magna Cardona, and throughout his time in the UAP, I don't think anybody, any fan or any opposing player, uh, felt confident playing against Magna Cardona. If or, anyone or, says so, I don't. I won't believe it. Or going back home, knowing that Magna Cardona Mac, is Mac, Mac, Mac within, Cardona. within a square square kilometer of you, you you did not feel comfortable. Yeah, so Mac Mac Cardona is exactly the kind of guy you want on your team in a in in a do or die game. Mac Mac is your guy. Uh, and then on the flip side, on the other side of the spectrum, you have like a Larry Fonacher, which is the antithesis, the the opposite of Mac Mac. Quiet, soft spoken, unassuming, and yet he will still make the big plays to uh, help you win that. Uh, Help you win that game. Uh, you're you're scared of Mac Mac because Mac Mac is going to rip your heart out, 
You're scared of Larry because Larry, susungitan ka niya, and then, uutakan ka niya, and by the end of the game, na- naisan ka na ni Larry without you knowing it. So, <laughs> right. very Lama different style. rip your heart out from, from your chest using his bare hands. Larry Finisher will surgically cut through it and carefully put your heart into like a thermos where it will be preserved. Either way, you lose your heart. Yeah, Larry is yung quiet, lalapit sa'yo, uh, pare good game, tapos may gripo ka na pagkatapos. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Larry. Yung parang, aray, ano yun? Ano, then, yun, may gripo ka na pala, I didn't even know. That's Larry Furnisher. Okay, so, <laughs> that's like my, ano, that's, those are my initial UAAP years. PBA time, again, uh, it's a pair, and, uh, you can call it a cop-out, but I don't care because I really believe that these two guys, you hated playing against them. That's James Yap and Mark the Spark Kagiwa. I mean, it's just... I mean, James Yap, uh, when he is on, he the, the term that I use is that he is beautiful to watch. Right. Beautiful. Hindi, hindi puersa, hindi... He, walang pilit. He's not overpowering people. He's not mu- out-muscling people. It's just beautiful basketball. One-handed, spin, fade away. Just, just beautiful. Mark Agiwa, my favorite description of Mark Agiwa, Jason Webb said this. Peak Mark Agiwa and you're guarding him, bababuin ka niya. That's Mark Agiwa. <laughs> That's Mark Agiwa. I'll never forget how Jason used it. He never said it on air, but off cam, that's what he always said. Mark, peak Mark Agiwa, bababuin kanya every single time. So, so I, I already have four pairs. Is that correct? No, three pairs. Yeah. Four, By the way, Mark, Mark the Spark is uh, the OG Terence Romeo. If you think yeah, Terence yeah, yeah, is yeah. disrespectful, you haven't seen Blonde Kagiwa. Yeah. So, by, by the way, Blunt Kagiwa. I what a time to be alive. No, Kolotsky Doodle Kagiwa was <laughs> yes. my favorite. That was that's my favorite. Uh, back, that's, that is confidence. Uh so I already have six. So I will for the last guy in my list, it's not a pair, it's just one guy, and it has to be Jimmy Alapag. I mean I gotta I gotta put Jimmy Alapag here. Jimmy smallest guy on the floor at any given time and he's going to hit that biggest shot of the game and if you're the opponent you got to be scared of Jimmy whenever he had the ball with time winding down and that's why Jimmy is on this list uh there you go by the way the scariest worst part about you know Jimmy Alapag and I think that a lot of people spend a lot of time complimenting Jimmy great player great leader Great guy. Um, apparently, really good singer as well. Um, yeah, if- <laughs> I, yeah, I saw that. Yes, I agree. Super talented singer. Um, <laughs> but the worst thing about Jimmy Elephant, if you want to say that Larry Furnish is the kind of guy who you know congratulate you afterwards, pero may gripo ka na, Jimmy's the guy who will burn you at the end of the game, shoot a three-pointer in your face, be the smallest guy on the court, wearing jersey and shorts, two sizes too big for him. And as you're walking out, eliminated from, from, you know, from the season, you're walking out and Jimmy's done it to you again, you see your wife, your mother, and your children asking for Jimmy's autograph. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, part. Look, I don't think that there was a PBA player before 
who had a bad thing to say uh, about Jimmy Alapag even after Jimmy had a big shot to beat them. It's hard. It's it's almost impossible to to kind of like hate yung bumurahin mo si Jimmy na parang ano yan ha, ganyan ganyan. It's just it just doesn't happen. Didn't happen. It, it, it's June Mars June Mars is running a very strong case for at the end of it all highest approval rating um for a single player among his peers but Jimmy still holds the still holds that trophy and looks to be holding on to it for a while. Yeah. Oh, the, right. the only reason I did not include Junmar, by the way, was you gotta understand. Uh, by the time Junmar was winning MVPs, I was no longer in the league. I wasn't right. covering the PBA anymore. So I think that's why uh, this is a more personal list for me because I really witnessed and covered the way these guys on my list, you know, uh, terrorized uh, opponents. So just just in case people are wondering. Well, I got a haircut just like Joseph Yo, so that qualifies me for. <laughs> I <laughs> agree quali- with Joseph Yo, though. Actually, if Cardona and Yo as a pair, oh, can you believe? Super can scary. you believe if if Cardona and Yo were playing in the social media era for Lasalle with <laughs> Instagram and Twitter and all these. People always say that, you know, the players are too chummy nowadays. You know, the players are too friendly, you know, off, off the court and stuff like that. It's just not... And, you know, they blame it on social media. I, I just blame it on, like, these are just nice guys. And there will be a time when not-so-nice guys will be playing. And if Joseph Yo and Mark Cardona were teammates right now playing in the UAAP, social media or not, everyone would want to pick a fight with them until they were on the court with them, in which case it was too scary to try. Yeah, if uh, if my social media during the time of MacMath and Yo in the UAP, yung mga troll mismo ang susuko. They're, they're, they're gonna back away. Wag pwede natin kaya yan. Yung mga troll magsabi, huwag kayong pumatol online kay MacMath tsaka kay Joseph Yo. <laughs> <laughs> if if you try to make a meme as soon as you yeah. upload Macmac's photo, your phone will crash. And uh, then you get an alert saying Macmac knows where you are. You have 30 minutes uh, to leave your house. Yeah, I'm telling you, you mga troll pa parewag, okay papatol jan. Talo tayo jan. And then tier two of that would be Wesley and Enrico. Yeah. And in which case that wasn't smart also. Anyway, okay. Uh, I've I've taken way too much of your time. Thanks for Thanks for coming on to the pod. Um, thanks for everything, obviously, um, that you know that you you've done not just personally for me, but you, you do for sports. Um, I know though that um, you guys over at the score, I saw you guys post about it. Um, you're you're doing you're leading this great initiative together with the larger ABS CBN uh, company in you know helping out the people who need the most help right now. Before we wrap it up, I'll give you time to invite people to check out how to help um, and to get more information on that. Oh, it's not just that. I mean, yes, so ABS-CBN, Pantawid the Pag-ibig, that is meant to help uh, people who cannot go to work, who cannot generate income kasi ano sila, per day ang income nila. So as long as this quarantine is in effect, hindi sila makakapagtrabaho. So that's one way you can you can find the details uh, online. Uh, really, really uh, 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 um, encouraged by all the athletes chipping in. 
whether they're UAP athletes, a lot of the volleyball players have been very actively um, uh, raising funds for, for the frontliners, for health workers, the PBA guys like Coach Jeff. They're, you know, they're all doing their share to help those who need uh, help the most. So uh, there, and, and there are so many ways for us while we are staying safe at home, keeping other people safe while we're at home. There are many ways for us to reach out and help. And since we're on our phones uh, all the time, uh, all it takes is like a you know some just some uh, you just a, a push of your your cell phone buttons, and you know no no amount is too little uh, for it to make a big big impact in in the, in the lives of of uh, our fellow Filipinos. So I, you know it, it doesn't matter what. Uh, what group or what initiative you're you're willing to support, so long as you you if if you if you have resources to spare, then do please uh, reach out and uh, help those who are uh, in most need of it. Yeah, and you know we we appreciate you um, helping get the word out, and uh, we hope that everyone tries to um, do their part in staying safe staying indoors um, and, and hopefully we're, we're all able to do this all in person again. Thanks for the time, Nick. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Regards to uh, Bay of Fab and uh, stay safe. Stay safe, guys. All right. Bye-bye. I want a million lives I want a billion profits when all that I got is a villainous mind I keep a real in the pocket while you hear the venomous lies I do not speak like a prophet cause I got a million styles Let's see what's really inside Pulling over in the whip Flying out another trip